Hi, y'all. We're praying for a happy, healthy, and prosperous New Year to you. I'm Linda on this side of the mic. And I'm Glenn Dawson on this side of the mic. And welcome to Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. We hope you have had a happy holiday season and have endured this wild change of weather over the last several days. Yes, ma'am. And are you looking forward to a great new year? Oh, yeah, I certainly am. God has been so good to us this year, and he doesn't change. So I'm looking forward to it just continuing. <laughs> I trust he will. What do you say we tell folks about our webpage? Well, we do have a webpage over at WebPress, and it's at www.glendawsonea.com. And that stands for Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. And Glenn has two N's in his first name. That's right. Some people miss that extra N Mama gave me. You know, the folks can send their friends over to our webpage and sign up for the newsletter. That way, they'll get a reminder when our products, new music, and YouTube videos come out. We don't give out our email list to anyone, so your information is safe with us. Our music and all our products are free. Linda and I both are retired, and God is taking care of our personal financial needs, and we don't charge for anything, even for our, even for our concerts. That's right. We have even been known to give away our CDs at concerts. We don't want anyone to miss out on getting a blessing just because they don't have the money. So true, Linda. The Lord has just opened up a new opportunity for us. We found a ministry that provides complete Bible illust- illustrated in a comic book form for kids and others who have been reluctant to read the scripture. No Greater Joy Ministries has provided us with these beautifully illustrated and authentic Bibles to us in quantities and reasonable prices that allow us to give them to those that need to hear the gospel. These are not shabby books but nicely bound in laminated pages that youngsters can't tear up easily. And they illustrate from Genesis to Revelations accurately. Glenn and I pretty much have supported this ministry completely ourselves, and we intend to continue that. GDEA gets pennies each time someone plays one of our songs, and you can support us that way by doing that and telling others about our music. We have purchased two cases of Bibles, and that's about all we can afford. We'd love to give them out to more that need it, but we can't do everything by ourselves. If you'd like to be a part of this, you can. At the bottom of the first page on our webpage is a place where you can help us with those purchases. Please understand that the donations go 100% to the ministry. These are some of the sites that play our music. Amazon, AMI Entertainment, Apple Music, iTunes, Audio Mac, Ioba, Moonplay, Deezer, Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, Lark Player, Melon Plus, Mixcloud, Napster, NetEase, Pandora Plus, Peloton, Play Network, YouTube Music, Seven Digital, Snap, Roxy, Soundtrack, Your Brand, GrandPad, Mixy Match, TuneSat, SoundMouse, and many more. Now let's take a look at today's song. England had some powerful Baptist preachers. 
the American Revolution had left its mark on England and opened the hearts of the English to consider God's word instead of Anglican rendition. In this time, men like John Gill, Joseph Stinnett, and Charles Spurgeon became powerful spokesmen of God. The Stinnett family had endured their share of persecutions for being dissenters from the state church, being a line of Baptist preachers. This was also the time when Baptists began to quiet their strong hostility toward the singing of hymns instead of the book of Psalms. Quite a few Baptist men became prolific and noted hymn writers. Among these was Samuel Stinnett. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Or all those wide extended plains shines one eternal day. There God the sun forever reigns and scatters night away. No chilling winds or poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and feared no more. When shall we reach that happy place that I'll forever blessed? For I shall see my Father's face and in my bosom rest. Samuel was born on June the 1st, 1727. His father was the famous Dr. Joseph Stinnett the Baptist pastor of the Little Wild Street Church in London. When Samuel was 20, he became his father's assistant and 10 years later became the next pastor of the church when his father died. Dr. John Gill preached at his father's funeral. In the message, he points out that Samuel's great-grandfather was well-known Dr. Joseph Sennett, son of the Baptist pastor. Mr. Joseph Sennett who left many great writings for his posterity. His father was Pastor Edward Sennett, who suffered much in this seeking to preach God's word in the land that grated political animosity toward anyone, not following their own teaching. He remained pastor there for 37 years and was one of the greatest preachers of the day. It is said that King George III was one of his greatest admirers and a good friend. Sennett became known as one of the greatest dissenting preachers of his day, using his respect and influence to promote social reforms and religious freedom, and pleading Parliament to grant distress relief from persecution. Two of his works written in 1772 and 1775, argue against sprinkling for baptism and sprinkling infants. Many of his works were reprinted reprinted as a set in 1784. When Samuel was 34 years old, King George died, and he was called to preach at the funeral. His sermon spoke highly of the king, even though he was immoral. As his father before him, Samuel was outspoken in support of the government. His sermon was immediately published and in two months received a second edition. This sprung the young pastor into the national spotlight and into the publishing world. A London pastor in 18th century, Samuel Sennett, 
imagines himself in a place of the Old Testament Israel about to cross the Jordan River into the land God had promised to Abraham, a land flowing with milk and honey. Samuel Stennett's life was one that really had its origins many decades prior to the century in which he lived and then contributed well beyond his earthly life's conclusion in 1795. His great-grandfather Edward and his grandfather Joseph had been ministers in England also, so it's no surprise when Samuel's father, also named Joseph II, entered ministry, with Samuel waiting in the wings soon after, thereafter. Samuel's own son, likewise named Joseph IV, would also be a minister. Like the four generations of sentence before him, so with a big, rich heritage of faith and ministry in one family, one can imagine that Samuel, from an early age, heard what the sentence could expect after the life spent in God's work. We know not the precise place and time in which Samuel found himself when he wrote the song stanzas, and at least one refrain, a second alternative refrain, is commonly used in many hymnals today to express what he pictured awaited himself and indeed all believers. Nevertheless, Samuel had seen or heard from many generations like himself, and as a minister he had also likely counseled numerous laypersons regarding the afterlife. The transition from life to afterlife would be, and still is today, an ever-present topic among the faithful. Samuel's desire to express himself poetically was also part of the DNA he inherited from Joseph I, his grandfather, and likewise been a hymn writer, a bit of a family history that we can presume Samuel had learned. Was this that the father's motivating factor in Samuel's effort to describe the spiritual Jordan River in poetic form? These generations of sentence played a part in motivating the for, fourth craft, O Jordan's stormy banks, a gift that has endured for many more generations since then. In the 18th century, university education was not easily available to nonconformist families, those who refused to swear allegiance to the Church of England. Samuel was educated by John Hubbard at Stepney and by John Walker at the Academy of Miles End. However, he later received a Doctor of Divinity's degree from King's College in Aberdeen, Scotland, for his accomplishments. He was called to be pastor of the Sabbatarian Baptist Church in 1767, a congregation that had been served by his father, and he remained to preach there every Saturday until 1747, when he became assistant to his father. While continuing his position, he preached to the Sabbatarian congregations every Saturday for 20 years. Samuel assumed the position of pastor upon his father's death in 1758. One of the members there was John Howard, a well-known English philanthropist and prison reformer. 
Dr. Stendhal's prose publications consist of volumes of sermons and pamphlets on baptism and on nonconformist disabilities. From that time until his death on August 24, 1795, he held a very prominent position among the dissenting ministers of London. He was much respected by some of the statesmen of the time and used his influence with them in support of the principles of religious freedom. John Rippon, an English Baptist pastor, published in 1787 an influential collection, a selection of hymns from the best authors. Thirty-eight of Sennett's hymns appeared in the popular collection. Among these was a hymn under the heading of Heaven Anticipated, with the title of the promised land in eight four-line stanzas. The refrain was added later. The hymn, as it appeared in America, looked and sounded much different. William Walker's The Southern Harmony in 1835 was first to include the promised land. This was one of the most popular of the 19th century oblong-tuned books with shaped notes. It's attributed there to Miss M. Darum. We know no more about her. The tune is written in a minor key, the, in vogue at the time, but in 1895, Rigdon McIntosh changed this to a major key and added the refrain. The tune has many of the characteristics of traditional folk melodies of the time. Many people are familiar with a traditional American folk tune, Promised Land, containing the anonymous chorus, I am bound for the promised land, that has often been used with Stennett's text. A new tune, Evergreen Shore, was composed for this song, perhaps as early as 1860, by Clinton O'Kane. It first was not part of Stennett's original poem, but was added, probably by O'Kane. From the start of Stanza 4, focuses on heaven. The singer stands on the banks of the Jordan River looking across to the fair and happy land of Canaan. A metaphoric mixture of images from the book of Exodus and Revelations. Our true possessions lie on Canaan, heaven, and not on the earthly side of Jordan. In stanza two, we find that Canaan is a land of wide extended plains where the eternal day is always shining. In this land, Jesus, God the Son, reigns. Furthermore, stanza 3 tells us that Canaan is a spiritually healthful place to live. No chilling winds or poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Therefore, sickness and sorrow, pain and death do not exist in Canaan. In final stanza, the singer obviously cannot wait to get there. Upon arrival of the promised land, we see, we will see our Father's face, and in His bosom rest. My, I can't hardly wait. The refrain gives the hymn a sense of marching forward to eternal life. Carlton Young, editor of the United Methodist Hymnal, places this hymn within the context. 19th century American expansion. The British poet composed these 
apocalyptic lines with a ear towards Exodus and Revelation in another setting. United States evangelicals and their song transformed the text into earthly and vital metaphors of the vision, vigor, enthusiasm, and opti- optimism of frontier life moving on to the promised land of Kentucky or Missouri. In Revelation, the disciple John describes his vision of heaven and the new Jerusalem. Not only is it a gorgeous place, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, see Revelation 21.2, with pearls, gold, and jewels, but also a place of joy and light. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying nor pain any more. See Revelations 21.4. And the night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Revelation 22.5 Image like these are expressed in this hymn along with a desire to be there someday. The song's expressed anticipation of heaven has always been an important trait of God's people. According to stanza one, one reason that we anticipate heaven is because that is where our possessions lie. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. To the Christian, death is represented by standing on Jordan's stormy banks just as the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River in Joshua three fourteen through 17 Also to the Christian, heaven is represented by Canaan's happy land just as the Israelites look forward to the land flowing with milk and honey, as mentioned in Numbers fourteen seven through 8. Thus Christians who have served God faithfully have laid up treasures in heaven so that that is where their true possessions lie. Matthew six nineteen through twenty, Hebrews ten thirty four. According to stanza two, another reason that we anticipate heaven is we believe that that's where God is. Are all those wide extended plains signs one eternal day? The God and sons forever reigns and scatters night away. Heaven is pictured as a country with wide extended plains Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16 in this country this shines one eternal day because there is no night there Revelation 21 23 it is God's eternal son who raids there upon his throne Revelation 4 2 3 According to stanza 3, still another reason that we anticipate heaven is because of the rest that is found there. When shall I reach that happy place and be forever blessed? When shall I see my Father's face and in his bosom rest? Heaven will be a happy place because God will wipe away all tears in their causes in Revelation 21.4. We shall be forever blessed there because we shall receive eternal life. Mark 10.29-30 also, like Canaan, was a de- land of rest to the wandering Israelites, so heaven will be our rest, Hebrews 4, 8-9. According to stanza 4, 
One other reason that we anticipate heaven is because our hope is not in this life, but on the other side of Jordan, waves. Filled with delight, my raptured soul would here no longer stay. Though Jordan waves around me roll, fearless I launched away. When it comes to a time to depart this life, we should no longer want to stay here. If we have truly set our affections on the things above rather than the things of the earth, like we read about in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Again, Jordan's waves represent the time of death. And for the Christian, death simply is an opportunity to depart and be with Christ, as we read in Philippians 1.23. Therefore, we shall launch away knowing that in this life only we have hope we would be most pitied, but that because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we can have hope eternal life. As we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 17-20. The chorus further describes the glory of that eternal land where we shall sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. We will rest in the fair and happy land just across on the evergreen shore, sing the song of Moses and the Lamb by and by, and dwell with Jesus evermore. For those who like both melodies, there are actually enough stanzas to make two separate songs. Yet, whichever tune one might prefer, the song reminds us that we might determine to set our values more strongly on heaven as we consistently move closer to the time when we shall stand on Jordan's stormy banks. Ira Sankey tells us in my life and the story of the gospel hymns that while visiting the Holy Land, he sang this hymn from the spot near the Jordan River, from which Moses viewed the land of Canaan. He says that, since the area is not generally stormy, the word rugged was commonly substituted in the first line. In the Bible, we are told how many people of Israel, delivered from years of bondage in Egypt, were poised on the eastern shore of the Jordan River, ready to cross and claim the land of Canaan as their own referred to as the promised land, Hebrews 11.9. God has pledged it as a permanent possession to the descendants of Abraham centuries before Genesis 12.1 and 2, and in 7.13-15, and again 17.8. Now it's time to conquer in the name of the Lord. The miracles of God attending the physical crossing of the Jordan in Joshua 3 and the conquest of the city of Jericho in Joshua 6 provide an illustration in the spiritual realm of what God does in saving lost sinners through faith in Christ. Moses had said to the people, He, the Lord, brought us out from their Egyptian bondage that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. Deuteronomy 6.23 Similarly, of the individual Christian, we can say that the Lord brought us out of sin, darkness, and bondage 
that he might bring us into the light of his love and to do an abundant life. Read John 10.10. He has delivered us from the power and darkness and covered us into the kingdom of his of of the son of his life of of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of his sin colossians 1 13 and 14. life didn't become perfect for the israelites in the land of canaan there were still challenges to face victories to be won it's the same with the christian life trusting christ as savior doesn't suddenly make us sinless are the life we live perfect. But through God's daily grace, we have the resources available to deal with what lies ahead. Canaan thus provided a picture of the abundant Christian life, a life enriched by God's daily provision, but one in which there are still battles to be fought in the name of the Lord. However, having said that, you'll find that a few of our hymns use the Jordan River as a symbol of physical death. And Canaan is the picture of a future home in heaven. Oh, the happy times as we gazed into the promised land on the four banks of the Jordan to heaven's bright shore. These songs were born in dark valleys and were dearly loved by people who knew constant hard times. The songs pointed sufferers to hope to God, in God. They invited fearful people to bank on his promises by picturing those promises fulfilled. This week we have looked into one of the very favorite hymns on Jordan's stormy banks. I love old music. I spent my early years singing old songs in wonderful old-time Baptist church in Lexington, Kentucky. The pastor was Clarence Walker, known as Mr. Baptist. These songs and the memories of singing them with the folks there are still with me. Some of the best-loved songs were about heaven, like A Compass Pointing North. They would pull singers out of the preaching school and make up a quartet, and they always called them the Preacher Boys. What a happy time. Those songs remind us of the features of the promised land that we can look forward to. It will be a land of sweet delight, of feasting and plenty. It'll be a land of strong unfading health, and death will be swallowed up in victory. It will be an era of happy reunions and no more partings. We'll, it'll be beautiful and will thrive in overwhelming beauty. We will behold our Father's face and rest in his embrace. People who sang and loved these songs were like our spiritual ancestors, looking forward to a country that they would call their own as we see in Hebrews 11.4. These desert days remind us that the best is yet to come. Scripture strengthen us with the truth that our destiny is unshakable. Even though in our present situation, it may be at risk. Our inheritance is never at risk. It is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. 1 Peter 1, 4. We are citizens of the new heaven and the new earth, and one day we will be home to stay. Until then, we hope in God. We cast a wishful yet confident eye to Canaan's shore. Our enduring possessions are in that beautiful and happy land. 
may I ask the question of the song's refrain? Who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, my friend, have you picked up your ticket for the promised land? It's been bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. He's been announcing the trip in the heaven, into heaven in the Holy Bible. People have been talking about it for centuries. He just wants you to believe in him and trust him that what he has done, he's done this for you. He wants you to trade a life filled with problems and worries with one of everlasting happiness. What a deal. Give him your heart right now. Now, Glenn, will you play on Jordan Stormy Banks on the sax? I'd love to. to our podcast today. We trust it was a blessing to you. It makes our day when we hear someone was blessed by our podcast or our music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to glenn.dawson at glenndawsonea.com. 
That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at G-L-E-N-N Dawson E-A dot com. You can find all our information on our website at www.glendawsonea.com. Remember now, we love you. God be with you. And bye for now. now.